Welcome to Flywheel Radio, your arts and entertainment conversation with the people who make art. From musicians to painters to everyone in between, tune in to hear the creators talk about what inspires them, learn about the tools and techniques they use, and in some cases, gain a bit of insight on how they do it. So settle in, folks. Make yourself comfortable, because it's about to get all kinds of artsy up in here as I introduce you to your host, Mr. John Freeman. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Flywheel Radio. This is episode eight, and I'm here with one of my really old friends. I find myself saying I've known my guest a long time, but I've really known Mike Zioli for a long, long time. He was 16 years old when I met him, and we worked together. I was only 19, and boy, when I first met Mike, it didn't take long at all to know that this guy was destined for big things. He's a really, really great drummer. And even at 16 years old, this guy can play the hell out of a drum kit. Mike, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you. Oh, John, my brother, thank you for having me. Yeah, we do go way back. It's uh, We go way, way back, don't we? Man, it's just crazy how, you know, time has unfolded and, you know, our lives have, you know, we went on our different paths, but, you know, those... uh. Those epic uh, first moments when we became uh, homies at the food barn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. We were buddies, man. And and you, I'll never forget. I was uh, typing something up on Facebook the other day to try and introduce you and, and that I would be interviewing you and whatnot. And I'll never forget the first thing you ever showed me. And it was uh, this beat to Red Hot from Motley Crue. And you were playing that that really fast, really elaborate double beat and double bass beat. And then you go, yeah. And then I use my left foot and I play the hi-hat too at the same time. And I'm like, what? I'm uh-huh. like, does he really do that even? And you're like, yeah, he does, I think. And so anyway, I was just blew my mind. I was like, how, like, even now I can play drums okay. Um, I'm not great and I'm not even really good. But I'm I can play, and even now I find it hard to keep that time in the left in the left foot with the hats. Oh, dude, yeah, it is. It's a very unnatural thing, you know. It it, it takes a lot of uh, programming or muscle memory, you know, to learn how to do that. Yeah, doesn't it take a lot of muscle memory? Period to get around a kid. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're using all four. You know, just think about think about the normal muscle memory that any one of us use every day is like, you know, putting on our shoes or, you know, doing a text, like things you don't think about. It, it, everything we do is muscle memory, you right. know, to some degree. And uh, you have to be pretty crazy person to want to sit down behind these drums and cymbals and uh, learn how to hit things in all these weird patterns. And so, you Oh, know? man. And you're so good. You can just, you can do things that just blow my mind. I mean, just... Uh, you know, I think I think you were just always destined to play the drums, you know, but uh, even uh, things like you taught me how to hit a cymbal with a C shape. And I still use that. You said, don't, uh, yeah. don't just strike into the cymbal, hit it with a C shape because you'll get the resonance and the decay you should out of the cymbal. You showed me that at 19 years old and I still do it. Yeah. You know who I, I uh, picked that up from was uh, when I went to a clinic, uh, Steve Smith was in town. This was in Kansas City. Awesome. I love Steve Smith. He's 
oh yeah, yeah. journey's you drummer know. just incredible drummer isn't he oh yeah and and you know that's just one of his bags you know the, the guy can play like everything and you know he he tours with like a an electric you know fusion jazz group from time to time like still uh but i, I had a clinic one time you know i was asking because it was like a question and answer thing he he shredded the drums for a while and was like hey i'm steve smith and they introduced them and question answer and and so i came around and i asked him about you know how do i avoid cracking cymbals because i was you know playing the crap and and cracking cymbals and you know i was having to cash in all my food barn you know money to uh, <laughs> go get more cymbals and it was <laughs> i had to borrow my dad's credit card i had, it was becoming a problem you know was, but you know, steve was the one he was like yeah man you know you gotta you gotta adjust your technique the way you're hitting the cymbal you can't just go ahead straight onto it like that you know and and uh and that, after that i got it you know the light bulb turned on and I still well, teach that to my students to this day because I, you know, I got like 25, 26 kids right now. Um, do you really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. At the music school, uh, it keeps me pretty busy. Well, that's, you got some lucky kids there because they got to be learning from a, a, <laughs> a, a great teacher there, man. Because I'll tell you what, man, you know, you just taught me some basic things back then. And like I said, they still, they still stay with me. I, I've only cracked one symbol in, in the time I've ever played and I don't have I don't ever have a real regular practice space, so I don't get to play a whole lot. I just get to I get to jump in and try and play every now and then. But yeah. I've literally had one top hi hat that that came apart on me at one point, and it was uh, like an, a Sabian mid grade. You know, I've got some pretty decent Sabians now, and I've never had any problems. And luckily, nice. I I don't have any problems, but I don't hit those those symbols real hard like a lot of those guys like to. I like to hit them. And let them do their thing. And when I listen to it, man, they got like 10 seconds of decay. So what more do you need to do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a great thing. So tell me, what's what's been going on with you lately? Uh, I know you're playing with uh, your friends in Spicy Loops. Yeah. Um, I play with Nathan here and there. He does a lot of solo gigs himself. But at... You know, there's sometimes where it's he'll play as a duo where I join him or the singer will join him. Um, and then sometimes we'll do a trio gig. And then we have a four piece where there's another guy who plays bass and cello, uh, JJ Placencio, who's uh, he's a he's a badass, too. Really? And uh, yeah, he uh, you know, that band Sixpence None the Richer. I know the name. Yeah. Back in the 90s, they had they had a couple songs that were pretty popular but uh that one song it was uh you know i had the female uh, lead vocal kiss me underneath the moonlight something 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 whatever the <laughs> lyrics were but it was like all over the place like it was shoved down our throats you know it yeah, was yeah. Big... i remember the song yeah okay well yeah so that's his band you know uh really and they're from texas here in san marcos which is it's a it's another uh school town it's maybe about 30 minutes or 45 minutes south of Austin, kind of in between Austin and San Antonio, but okay. they're, uh, they're out of there. But JJ lives in Austin now, and uh, he's actually a worship leader. He runs the, the band at this church on Congress, on South Congress in downtown. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And so, uh, and I play with his church group from time to time uh, on the Sunday service. And, nice. Yeah, it's it's a great experience because the the band is like the talent, like he knows so many amazingly talented musicians and these are old school seasoned cats. 
And, uh, you know, they're just pro all the way inside and out and they can play every style under the sun. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, we, we just run the, the worship, you know, charts, you know, JJ has a repertoire, you know, list of songs and we rehearse before the service and then the service, you know, on Sunday morning. And, but it's a lot of fun, you know, because like I said, the level of musicianship is great. And, you know, everyone's just, you know, there for all the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and that, you that's and, you and Nathan, didn't you do some like regional touring recently or? Well, Nate's always on the go, man. He, uh, <clears throat> he was just overseas in, was it December or November last year? And now he's heading to Japan in March. Wow. Wow. How's yeah, he, how does he get so well him. networked? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, he does, you know, he, he honestly, like he goes, he'll get, maybe he'll line up a couple gigs here and there. And then he does a lot of busking. You know, he will research the different areas where musicians go to, you know, just play out in public and, cool. uh, and, you know, play for tips and stuff. So he'll, he'll fill in time that way, you know, and just kind of network and meet other musicians and, and stuff. So, and then here in Austin, he, he does a lot of the, um, here in the outskirts in the hill country, there's all these vineyards and wineries and, uh, I mean, it's it's like Napa Valley of Texas out here, <laughs> and he plays a lot of these places. That's like a circuit um, out in the whole central Texas Hill Country uh, region, and uh, he's playing all these places <clears throat> here locally, right? Excuse me, but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so he must be he must be a hell of a guy if you're playing with him quite often and so forth. Oh yeah, you got to check him out more because uh, he does live looping, right? So he. He plays um, mostly nylon string guitar, and he does a lot of the, you know, finger uh, flamenco technique. Wow. You know, nice. Like, he he knows how to do that. And then he plays with a pick as well, and uh, and he loops bass as well. He's got uh, a mounted bass on the stand, and so he'll loop some bass parts. He'll do, you know, the guitar, some tracks, and then he'll play lead. And uh, he's got an array of pedals so he can, and then he, he has a, one of those, a uh, hand sonic, um, Roland drum machines. So he plays, he'll play some kick and snare. I call it the boots and pants, right? Boots and pants. <laughs> he'll play a real basic beat and he loops all that stuff. So he, like I said, he plays solo a lot, but, um, from time to time I join him on a duo and I'm playing percussion, strictly percussion. I don't play okay. drums. That was my next question. I was going to say on something like this, where you're playing a lot of playing a lot of street gigs and that sort of thing, then it's probably a lot better to play some kind of percussion or a yeah. Um, no, definitely. It's yeah. Uh, than dragging out a whole a whole even a small trap kit would be kind of a pain to drag out, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, like so the the gig you know when I play on spicy loops, the rig that I play is like I can go you know with one trip and load in and out like. You know, on the studio gig, I play a monster, you know, full set of drums with a rack and, you know, it's like a oh yeah piece kit, you know, it's ridiculous. So Um, when you play with spicy loops, are you playing like congas or a cajon or you playing a little bit of whatever you want? Well, it's kind of morphed into now I'm, I'm playing mostly the bongo and, uh, I do like shakers. I have some, like some bells, you know, uh, like cowbell percussion, do some bell parts and you know, vibra slap. And I got a, a, a symbol mounted. I'll play like some symbol parts, like, a you know, like I said, he does the kick and snare. So I fill all the, 
inside the inner of of the beat i guess if that makes sense nice yeah sure yeah he's playing the downbeats and and some basic upbeats and i'm filling in the space with the you know percussive you know phrases and using an array of instruments you know that i'm you know handheld and then i do have this korg wave drum which is a it's a synth drum it's it's not a midi drum it's an actual synthesizer and uh it's pretty cool because you you can play the rim on it and then it has a, a drum head that's actually mounted onto the drum and you can play it with sticks or you can play it with your hands and then nice. you can it's pressurized so when you press on the head you know you can uh, change the pitch of the drum that you're playing or it can be some electronic hybrid instrument it's there's uh, the bank the sound bank in that thing is insane wow. um, it's so fun to play with and it's got so many like crazy cinematic um uh patches in it you know i i've had the thing for gosh when did i get that and maybe like eight or nine years ago it's been okay. a while i've had it and i you know i don't i hardly ever play it so when i do the spicy loops gig i bring it and i, I use it you know here and there sparingly but you know for a bunch of different sound effects um but it is totally different from what i do with del castillo you're asking me about del castillo you know i, I play a large dw drum workshop you know kit right and then uh we have a percussionist in the live band too jason and he's playing the conga bongo timbales spread and uh nice. you know, so we cover a lot of ground together you know the two of us yeah yeah i bet so speaking of del castillo uh, how long have you been playing with that group now? It's been it's been a couple decades at least, hasn't it? Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're a bunch of old dudes now, but that's uh, all right. That's you know, all right. You guys still get out there and rock it. Oh yeah, man. You know we do, and we love to do it. Um, but yeah, we uh, the band, Del Castillo officially we connected in '99, and then we played our first gig officially in in 2000. But nice. we were already, you know, working, you know, playing a little bit in, in 99. And uh, and even before then, uh, I think it was in 98, because really the, the project started between the brothers, the Del Castillo brothers. OK. Uh, Rick and Mark. And they're like eight or nine years apart, something like that. Uh, Rick's the older brother. So and Rick, like he lived in Memphis for a long time. He lived in Seattle for a while. And then he lived on the road for a long, long time. He played in a number of bands, but one of the one bands that he played with that they toured with Pantera. Uh, really? called, yeah, yeah. Uh was called Akasha. And okay. um, yeah, yeah. And uh so they they did quite a few shows with Pantera in Texas and Oklahoma area. Okay. And uh, and so he was pretty good buddies with Dimebag, and he has like these most hilarious stories of Pantera. Oh, wow! Wow! And this was before, like you know, Cowboys from Hell, and 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 then you know, once that that happened, they launched, you know, and it was things changed. They played on a whole nother level, but they did the club circuit for a long time, and so that was back when when Ricky, you know, knew those guys. Okay. And, they would open for him. <clears throat> Akasha was this power trio. Okay, cool. I didn't know he played heavy rock and that sort of thing. Because Del oh, Castillo, yeah. can you describe Del Castillo to, for the listeners? It's uh, it's more like a Los Lobos kind of thing or something, right? Like, how would you describe Del Castillo's sound? 
Yeah, you know, Los Lobos was definitely a, a big influence, you know, for, for us individually. Um, but it's, it's you know, not just Los Lobos. Like for Mark Del Castillo, for example, like, you know, he and I, we, we grew up as kids, like probably around the same age that or right before uh, you and I met, I was meeting Mark, you know, so I was like 15, maybe ish around there. And he was, a, I remember he was driving, so he was 16 and uh, he would come over to my neighborhood in South Texas, you know, uh, and my best friend who lived across the street was the guy who actually really got me into playing drums in the first place. Um, really? My old friend, Matt Green. Yeah. He literally like was right across the street from, from my house and we hung out all the freaking time. And uh, so he had a set of drums or his older brother had a set of drums that he kind of had taken over because his older brother got into guitar by that point. And he played drums after school every day. And so like when I moved down there, I was starting sixth grade. So, and I didn't have a drum set yet, but I would go over to Matt's house every day after school. Right. Because he would play moving pictures from start to finish the whole freaking album, like nonstop. And this guy was a drummer too. Yeah. He was a drummer and he was already in school band. Right. So he was doing the rudiments and playing in concert band. And, um, so I immediately like, you know, looked up to this guy. He was a year older than me, but he would, I would watch him every day after school do moving pictures. Wow. You know, Red Barchetta, Tom Sawyer, like, dude, like. And he had my, the chops to play that stuff. He had the chops to play that stuff. He was wow. in seventh grade. I was in sixth grade. No, I'm saying that was like my, my first introduction. And so I would sit there in the room with him, literally like the floor, Tom in my face. I'm on the floor. Right. <laughs> And the stereo is cranked and he's, he's just slaying the Neil Pert licks, like note for note, all wow. the hat chokes, you know, those high hat chokes that Neil Pert hits and sh- like, it's just, he had it all down. Like, wow. and so he put in the time to learn these parts. He was not fooling around. And that was my first introduction. So I was sold. I was like, Oh, I got to get a drum set. So my next birthday came around. I was like, what do you want, Michael? I was like, well, I want drums. And I have a picture <laughs> on my website. There's a picture of me on my bio page and it's my first drum set that I got. Oh, cool. Uh, I saw that picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I uh, just turned 11. Wow. And, uh, and so that was around the time that I would go over to Matt's house. And so when I finally got my own drum set, I'd go home after school and I would play movie, nice. <laughs> you know, that was my jam. Yeah. And, and then I started getting into Motley Crue, you know, and rat. Yeah. And, uh, so I was digging Tommy Lee and Bobby Blotzer and, you know, the headbangers ball started coming out and, you know, I just, I wanted, you know, to, to hear it all, you know, it was, and this was before the internet. You remember those days? It was like, yeah, you know, and, and in South Texas, it's like being 10 years behind, you know, the rest of the world. It's, you know, down there, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different time zone. It's a different zip code. And it's like the twilight. So you zone. knew, so you <laughs> knew this Del, one of the Del Castillo guys way back then, because see your time in Texas would have been before I met you, because when I met you, you're living in Olathe, Kansas with your dad. Yeah. And I think you were going back to Texas to see your mom on summers, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. kn- you knew one of the guys in Del Castillo way back then then and then at some point 
after I went off to live in Lawrence or whatever for a while, then yeah. you moved down to South Texas, right? I did. Um yeah, I kind of went back and forth, you know, because I, I went to college for a couple of years in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. And then I, because I, I was doing a, a music education and uh, I, you know, I thought I wanted to be a band director. And then after a couple of years of that, I realized, no, I don't really want to be a band director. So I, I just, I quit going to school for a while and I started working and, uh, and then I moved to Austin because you know, I decided, you know, I just really, I want to play music, you know, and I still want to, you know, go to school and take classes at the time, but I wanted to be in a, you know, a city, you know, where I could do live music, a city that had, it was known for a music scene. And right. I was looking at New York city, I was looking at LA, you know, and I was in Kansas city at the time. And it was like, man, those places are so far away so far. Cause I had family in KC and family in South Texas. And so Austin just made more sense because you know, it was kind of right in the middle. Right. And, you know, it, it had a scene. And so that was it. You know, I'm in so 90s. Was Del Castillo, the first band you really started actively playing with when you hit Austin? No, uh-uh. actually, uh, you know, it's funny. It's a funny story. <laughs> uh, so Mark Del Castillo, who I played with, you know, in South Texas when I was 15 years old, you know, he was 16 and he became really good friends with my bestie, Matt, who lived across the street. Okay. And uh, at the time, Mark was working at this music store called Hermes Music in Brownsville. And and Matt had met him there because Mark was working there. And Matt had heard about Mark. And I think Matt was there to look at some gear and stuff. And then, you know, they chit-chatted. Mark showed him some stuff. And then next thing you know, like, hey, what do you listen to? What do you play? Blah, blah, blah. And uh and Matt was like, yeah, because Matt and I would jam by that time because he was playing guitar by then. Oh. And when I started getting better on the drums, he started getting more interested in guitar because his older brother had a sweet guitar. And okay. uh, so after school, we'd sneak into his brother's room and he'd be like, dude, don't even look at the guitar. Like, because my brother will know he'll kill us both. You know? <laughs> he couldn't resist and he would play it, you know, and so eventually he got his own guitar <laughs> and right. we started jamming, you know, all the time. And we, he would come to my house and we would jam in my garage and I had my kit set up in there and, you know, he met Mark and, and we had all this musical, uh, same interest in common, you know, dream theater to Megadeth to Soundgarden, and, you know, uh, all that good stuff. Right. Right. And, uh, rock and roll. So we, made a set list of songs to learn. And uh, Mark would drive up from Brownsville to Los Fresnos, which is maybe about a 20 minute drive or so. And that's, you know, when I first met Mark and okay. uh, we learned these songs, we just started jamming and he was a really, you know, really creative guy. You know, I really admired him right off the bat because, you know, he was doing his own four track recordings at the time. And and my friend, Matt was also getting into that. He, he had gotten a four track. Yeah. Uh, Mark had these songs like he took like, uh, you know, like the itsy bitsy spider, <laughs> uh, but he did it like metal, like shred, like Shreddy Krueger, like the guitar, like all these sweeps. And uh, he did the drum programming of the drum machine, the double bass, digga, 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 <laughs> spider went up the water spout, digga, 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 rocking, you know, like it was hilarious, <laughs> but it was so cool because it was him playing everything, you know? Uh, yeah. 
And so I, you know, immediately like, I was like, oh man, loved hanging out whenever we would hang out. But eventually, you know, I moved back to Kansas City and then to Austin, you know. And then when I moved to Austin, lo and behold, like literally the day we were moving into the our rental house, you know, and back then, all right, you you know, this is 97. So, you know, you had to go to the the phone company, right? Set up your phone account, you know? Yeah. And so we set up the line. I remember getting back home and we plugged in the phone. And the phone jack and like the first phone call, like literally it was like maybe 15 minutes after I plugged in the phone, the phone rings. <laughs> it's Mark Del Castillo. Nice. And he's like, hey, fucker, <laughs> you moved to Austin. Uh, and I was like, how'd you get my number? You know, because I had a bunch of roommates from back home. We were all renting this house together. So word on the, you know, on the street. And Austin was like, hey, so-and-so is moving here, you know, from the Valley. And uh, so Mark got word, you know, and uh, and he was playing in a band on 6th Street. He had a cover band and they would do like whatever was the top 40 of the times, uh, rock and roll in excess, like, but they were playing on 6th Street. And so that was, you know, as soon as I got to Austin, the first band I saw on 6th Street was Mark, his cover band. Okay. They played all the time. So I would sit in with them from time to time. And and they're playing um, rock, mainly rock then. Oh, yeah. Top 40 rock and roll. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it was cover, cover songs, and uh, which was a really, you know, very popular thing in the 90s on 6th Street. So they were very busy. Um, but one of the bass players in the band, because they had a couple guys who would, you know, split the gig or whatever. One of the guys, though. Uh, Mark was also playing with him in an original group. And so, uh, and they had uh, the drummer at the time ended up leaving for whatever reason. So uh, Mark was like, Hey, we need a drummer, you know, why don't you come jam with us? You know, and let's see, you know, maybe, you know, so I, they had a couple songs recorded the demo already. So I learned those songs and we jammed and we ended up, you know, playing together for, almost a couple of years and Mark's older brother, Rick, because they were roommates in Austin. Rick had moved to Austin and Mark had moved to Austin. And uh, so Rick and Mark decided to become roommates and they were renting this house in South Austin. And Rick uh, did a home recording studio. Like he had ADATs and he, he had, you know, all the, you know, top of the, at that, that time, top of the line recording gear, you know, but it was all in this house. And it's the same house where we recorded the first four Del Castillo albums. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, so the band that I was playing with, with and Mark was called Mill House. And uh, we recorded with Rick there. And that's how I first met Rick. Okay. You know, and so, and at that time too, I, I was playing with um, a couple other bands as well in Austin. One was like this jazz group, all instrumental, sax, bass, guitar, drums. And which was through, uh, I met those guys through another uh, mutual friend contact from Kansas City, too. Like, I don't know if you remember, I played with these guys out of Kansas City called Ethnicon. I don't remember that. I remember a band called Anonymous that you were playing with for a little while. Okay, yeah. Ethnicon was after Anonymous. Anonymous was when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anonymous. That's right. I almost forgot that. And I'm (laughs) I'm still friends with Zach. That's who, cool. 
Yeah, who played guitar and anonymous? He was, uh, he was a good musician. Yeah, he's still playing music, and uh, he lives out in uh, L.A. Actually, does he really? Yeah, and I, I was out there not too long ago, and we got to catch up and hang out a little bit. It was really cool. Cool, cool. Hey, I got a break for a station ID real quick here. Uh, we're on here with Mike Zioli, and you're listening to Flywheel Radio. Tuned in to Flywheel Radio, an arts and entertainment podcast. Hey, welcome back. We're on with Mike Zioli. Mike is a really old, dear friend of mine from way back. Uh, I guess not way back. I'm not that old, you know. But anyway, Mike, uh, Mike is a great drummer. He's one of the best drummers I've ever played with in my life. He does amazing things behind the drum kit. And uh, Mike uh, has spent the majority of his career, if you will, with, uh, playing music with a band called Del Castillo. And we were talking about the very beginning of Del Castillo. Mike, take us back through and... Uh, you know, what eventually ends up, uh, you know, you you did what, four records with Del Castillo or even more? Uh, uh, yeah, more. Um, <laughs> Don't ask the drummer uh, how many records they have. Yeah, we and, and we still have, you know, new songs. We're still, you know, recording. Um, oh, really? Fact, you're, rec you're recording now? Yeah, we we uh, we've got we released a couple new singles recently and uh, we had Tim Palmer. Uh, mix them who Tim Palmer mixed Pearl Jam and David nice. Bowie and uh, Robert Plant and like Echo and the Bunny Man and like you know like it's just ridiculous like he's you know he, he he's you guys mixed. you guys did release a video not too long ago too didn't you uh yeah actually we uh we had two singles we uh released last year okay yeah, and we have a, we're working on another single that it's actually a, an old song that uh, Rick and Mark's uncle wrote and uh, recorded. Uh, their uncle Wayne uh, actually uh, played guitar and sang, and and uh, he was known as Wayne the Harp back in the day in San Francisco. And oh wow, he uh, he hung out with Santana and Janis Joplin and the Grateful Dead and. So he was pretty heavy on the circuit out there, out west. Um, he was. He was. He was signed with uh, Bill Graham. Oh wow! That was his manager. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty crazy story. It's epic. So it's take epic. us. So take us into Del Castillo. How does that? How does that ramp up? And you guys eventually end up touring the whole nation. You go to Europe at one point. I talked to you. I think you were touring with Los Lonely Boys at one point. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're friends with those guys. They used to open up for us. Okay. Uh, back in the day, uh, it's a funny story. Uh, it's you know it's been a a long strange trip you could say. But uh, when Del Castillo started, like I said, I was playing with Mark in that rock band called Millhouse, And we recorded with his brother, Rick. And, um, during, you know, those recording sessions, Rick would, would, you know, have me, you know, play percussion or drums, you know, on some other, you know, projects that he had other clients that he was recording for. And he'd be like, uh, Hey, Zioli, uh, I know you could play this percussion or you could do drums for this song. And, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. So, you know, I was around the studio from time to time. And, uh, and then eventually he and his brother, Mark, decided they wanted to uh, collaborate um, for the holidays. Like they wanted to record an album of songs 
to uh, give to family and friends for the holidays. Okay. And, and because, you know, they both were like, you know, they loved the, you know, heavy metal, hard rock scene. And, uh, you know, their parents weren't really crazy about it. And so they started getting in more into like the, uh, the Spanish folk music and the, um, and, and of course their, their, uh, uncle, their great uncle, Americo Paredes, uh, he, uh, taught at the university of Austin and he, um, he, he, uh, taught, um, the uh, Mexican American cultural arts, you know, he, uh, he was a published, you know, author on the subject and, and he had, um, done a collection of, of these corrido songs, which a corrido is, uh, is like a nickname for these songs that, you know, these Mexican, you know, ranchers and cowboys would play. And, and so the style of music was, you know, preserved in that sense. And, you know, they, uh, they took that to heart, you know, when they started collaborating together and their collaborations, they, uh, you know, had these really cool songs that they were, you know, putting together and they, uh, had put some drum machine parts and they wanted to put percussion and drums on it at some point. And I was like, well, this is cool. You know, I can totally, you know, this is right up my alley, you know? And so eventually that became Del Castillo, you know, which is kind okay. of funny. The, that album, you know, once, uh, you know, uh, friends and family got it, you know, they were like, Hey, uh, when is the show? Like when are you guys playing? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were all playing in other bands at the time. Um, this thing, this thing kind of just slowly migrated into, into Del Castillo where you had a completely more Latin sound, if you will, a traditional Latin very, sound, uh, breaking yeah. away from rock completely pretty much i mean you do yeah. a little bit of uh i hear i hear some rock in your playing still but you're definitely playing a lot of the latin beats and stuff when i when i see the videos i've seen of you and, and everything online definitely yeah definitely yeah it's um it's a different it's a different spin but yeah it, it's uh it was not intentional you know by any means and and so uh you know rick gathered all the musicians together and was like, Hey, uh, you know, you guys want to play a gig? (laughs) (laughs) We got, there was enough, you know, request. And so there was a a well-known club owner on sixth street, a guy by the name of Danny Crooks. And he, uh, he gave us a shot, you know, he, he was running a club on sixth street. He ran the old steamboat, legendary steamboat, which eventually it closed down. And then he reopened, another venue and when uh we went to him he was like yeah all right i'll give you guys a shot and uh we had you know it was a great turnout because there were so many friends and family that we all knew Uh, it was like a six-piece band and 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 the the bass player albert like his his uh, guest list alone was probably half the crowd like (laughs) (laughs) uh you you guys pack them in in that band too yeah, we you know it's it's always a it's always a party when yeah. uh, Del Castillo is playing. I call it the full band fiesta because you know the, Del Castillo has a a few different ways. You know the band does the trio gigs where it's Rick and Mark with Alex, and, and they just play the songs you know stripped down, you know singing with the guitars, and you know the full band fiesta, which is where I play drums and percussion. We have our percussionist uh, Jason, and we have the bass Albert. Estero on bass, who's 
You know, he's a legendary guitar player from Brownsville, Texas. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's his, his main instrument is guitar. And, um, he was in a band in the eighties down in Brownsville called the connectors. And, uh, they're infamous, like legendary band. And, uh, you know, they recorded a couple albums and, um, they were just, they were really popular at the time on South Padre Island. And, but at the time when Del Castillo was getting going in, in like 99, 2000, um, Albert had moved to Austin as well. Uh, and he was working a day job at Dell, Dell computers. Okay. And uh, he ended up moving in with Rick Del Castillo. When, when Mark moved out, he had met his wife, Candy. And, um, and so he, uh, he and Candy actually ended up moving to San Antonio because Mark was, was finishing up some school down there because he works in the dental world as well. Okay. And so he, he, was, he was, you know, taking care of that. And then so Albert moved in with Rick and, uh, and we basically convinced Albert to play bass in the band. <laughs> Rick and Albert had their first band together when they were in seventh grade. Really? So they go way back too. They go way back too. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a funny story. And then, you know, I go way back with Mark right. as well. Um, and then Alex, the singer, he, he's from Brownsville too. And, you know, he remembers growing up, you know, and hearing about, uh, Mark's older brother, Rick, because on the music scene there, Rick was, he was on tour and he would, you know, always touring all over the States with his band. And then they would come home and do shows. And, you know, so Alex, you know, saw him as this, you know, this legendary, you know, guitar player, you know, from, you know, their hometown. So, you know, we, we all kind of knew of each other, you know, yeah. in the way back machine. And then our paths just crossed again in Austin, like I said. And one thing led to another. We uh, crossed paths with uh, Lone Wolf Management, which uh, they used to manage ZZ Top. Oh. And Clint Black and, you know, other, they were in the, in the industry. And uh, so when Del Castillo started hitting the scene and, you know, people were, we're taking note and we were winning these award, you know, Austin music awards. We were getting some pretty good notoriety. And, right. And so, yeah, they, they took note and uh, we ended up signing with Lone Wolf Management. We did five years with them. They represented us. Nice. And mm -hmm. so when you were touring heavily and so forth, that was with Lone Wolf then. Actually, when we parted ways with Lone Wolf, we even toured harder. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's when we started going overseas and stuff. And it eventually took you to to Europe. You played several places in Europe, right? Yep, mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What all you were telling me offline? What were the different places you just mentioned? Norway. You mentioned some of the some of the uh, Viking lands, as they say, and so forth. Um, yeah, we played. Uh, we played this festival in Bergen, which is in Norway. Um, it was a pretty pretty cool festival uh i think it was called bergen fest or international festival and it was pretty wild being up there because the uh the sun stays lit for most of the time because you're oh, so nice. high yeah so it was pretty wild um for the time that we were there it was just a few days but uh and then uh we did another amazing festival uh in scotland that one was was really cool. 
And uh, I remember uh, we, we got there a day or so early. So we, we got to actually go out one night and w- one of the headliners was Bobby McFerrin. Really? Yeah. And Don't so worry, I be got, happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was amazing. His uh, his show was just, it was just him and a microphone. And it was really? probably one of the most musical things I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> so it was pretty yeah. interesting. Oh, man, it was it was true artistry. It was true artistry. And he invited people up from the audience to come and sing with him. A couple really? different people did. Yeah. And then he had the whole the whole entire audience singing and he was singing with us. It was pretty amazing. I, I, if you ever get a chance to see Bobby McFerrin, don't delay. <laughs> okay, cool. That's interesting. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have expected you to tell me that, you know, <laughs> I would, I, it was the last thing I expected to experience myself. You know what I mean? It, like it so, caught me guard so much that it was. Uh, so yeah. when you were hitting Europe, were you just hitting it like in, in different intervals? Were you, were you instead of touring, you were kind of going out, playing a festival, coming back home and then you'd go out on different or did you actually go out and actually tour all at once as well? Yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag, really, you know, okay. uh, um, sometimes we would go in, you know, for a festival and then go back home. Um, there were other times where he had like a whole month long tour booked and we would play like 22 shows in 25 days, you know, or something like that. Nice. So, it, you know, it just depends, you know, on, on the run and, and what was, you know, what the agenda was, but yeah, it was a mixed bag. You could say. That's cool. That's at one point I remember when you and I caught up in in uh, Lawrence, you had come up to play with a with a kind of an electronica group and so forth. And you guys played the bottleneck, and you and I had dinner and hung out and everything. And I watched your band. And at that one point, you told me, you know, that was all you did for a while. You just you were living the dream. You were out there touring, and it was quite a while, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, I mean, we you had, did uh, that. You did that for over ten years, right? Of just touring and and heavy touring with Del Castillo and everything, right? Yeah, we um we went like full time starting around two thousand and five was when uh we started touring uh, more where we we all like decided okay we're gonna we're gonna quit our day jobs because the calendar is is booked you know and yeah. Yeah. And we were working with Lone Wolf at the time still. And uh, we were also uh, working with CAA, the Creative Artist Agency booking agency, which, you know, it's it's like the world's largest booking agency. And oh, nice. um, we, uh, you know, were able to, you know, do a couple different tours because we were working with those guys for a while. We toured with a band called Ozo Motley. They're from LA. They're like a Latin funk band, also. Okay. Really good. R- amazingly talented guys. And uh and we toured with Los Lobos. We also toured with uh Sticks. Really? You went out with Sticks? Uh-huh. Yeah, we did. We did cool. a House of Blues tour with Sticks. We opened for Foreigner once. That was pretty cool. That's uh, interesting. Jason Bonham was playing drums that night. Oh yeah. wow, that had to be cool yeah. to watch. What oh, about dude. what about when Sticks when when you were playing with Sticks was uh oh man oh my his name's gonna escape me now. There's a guy I follow on Facebook and and YouTube 
Todd. He's an incredible drummer. He plays mainly traditional grip, but he flips over to he flips over to yeah. uh that's uh, Todd. That's Todd Superman. Yes, Todd, yes. Was yeah. he playing with sticks when you were when you were touring with them? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, he's yeah, a great Todd, drummer, isn't he? Oh he is. He lives here in Austin. He does. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's my mentor, actually. I've taken I've taken him, you know, a few lessons with the guy. Um, oh, cool, cool. He's a oh, great yeah. drummer. He's so, so damn good. I was watching something the other day on on Facebook or YouTube. I can't remember what it was, and and he was doing some recording, and I was like, oh my god, this must be in his in his house because there's no way that he's in a recording studio with that many snares at his disposal. And that guy must have had a hundred <laughs> snares in the background. It was yeah. amazing, especially for a guy like me that can't even play drums that well and i've got like eight snare drums or something like i've only got eight but this guy <laughs> i still have a thing for snare drums this guy had easily a hundred drums yeah. yeah yeah tom Zuckerman is uh yeah man he's a he's a masterful drummer and um yeah so it was it was really you know cool to i watch sticks every night you know and they played the same exact set every night like really Every note spot on, like it, it was just, it was incredible to watch, you know, and they played all the great hits, you know, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, I haven't heard these songs in for forever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but Todd, uh, you know, he, he, uh, is definitely a mentor of mine and, um, I've learned a lot, you know, in the few little uh, study sessions that I've gotten to work with him on stuff. And he I actually was watching completely change he had me completely change my uh my technique like the way i held the sticks really yeah i completely changed my grip and it made the biggest difference like i'm so glad i took the time to actually learn how to do it and practice it because it wasn't easy but eventually it became you know i i adopted it but so do you practice. flip back and forth too do you use traditional grip and then flip flip back to um, matched no, not really. You know, I, I, I play traditional, like maybe 1% of the time I play, you know? Okay. I, yeah. Cause I, you always played, you always played match when I was around you a lot, but yeah, but Todd plays mainly traditional and then flips into match just all of yeah. a sudden, like he just, and he, you can't even notice it. He just, boom, he's just in. Yeah. I watched uh I watched a video on YouTube the other day. And I can't remember what why it came up, but Todd was playing and he put a stick through his his batter of his snare, and uh, so he's like keeping time. I think he was keeping time between the hats and the floor tom. And yeah. his uh, his uh, tech comes up and puts a new snare on while Todd's playing. Puts a new snare on stand and pulls the old snare off, and then Todd kind of dances around him as they make the transition, and then sets back down. They start rocking again. Yeah, it's pretty, it's I pretty saw cool. That clip. I saw it's, that clip. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got to actually, you actually got to hang out with him and 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 learn a few things. That's really cool. Oh yeah, and I, you know, his drum tech at the time, Paulie, man, may he rest in peace. He's no longer with us, but his drum tech was the coolest cat on the planet, like hands down. Wow. He was so cool and uh and so knowledgeable too. And the way he took care of Todd's kit, because Todd's kit is epically monster. So like it's a monster <laughs> kit, you know. It's even gotten bigger now. He's like a gong bass drum, you know. It's 
He has you know? a garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I see I'm that envious, popping dude. up. <laughs> I wish I could have a kit that size and a and a tech to set it up and tune it and it's like wow, <laughs> that'd be sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, those were the days, you know. And but you know, there was for you know a minute. Del Castillo, we had a stage crew with us too that toured with us. That's cool. It was cool, but uh, and then we had to go independent. You know, basically we uh, we parted ways with Lone Wolf, and then we went basically independently. We found another booking agent, and then we uh, found someone who could actually. So you had mentioned Robert Rodriguez earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. He, uh, the, you know, the band. Robert came out to see Del Castillo play when we had first started. This was like 2001. We were, we used to play at this club called Momo's and we would do, it's like one night a week. We had a residency there for a while. And uh, Robert was relocating from Hollywood back to Austin. He's originally from San Antonio. His family's from San Antonio. Okay. And uh, one of his sister's, Patricia Vaughn, and she's amazing. We basically met her, became friends with her through Robert. But when Robert came out to see Del Castillo, one of uh, the guys that he works with who did a lot of audio engineering for Robert's movies and stuff, Robert had said, hey, I want to, you know, because he had already worked with Los Lobos, you know, for the Desperado movie. Okay. And he worked with Tito Lariva. Tito and Tarantula for the Dusk Till Dawn movie. And so uh, he was asked when he was relocating to Austin, he's like, hey, what, what's a good Austin band that's kind of like the Los Lobos of Austin? And Carl, who is a mutual friend of, of ours, and he worked for Robert, he goes, oh, I know who you are. Let me take you to see uh, Del Castillo. <laughs> These guys are great, man. So he brought Robert out to come see us on a Tuesday night or whatever. Nice. And we hit it off with them right away. And Robert and Rick uh, hit it off. And, and in fact, Robert, because he plays guitar too, Robert had Rick uh, give him guitar lessons. Because at the time, you know, Rick had his home recording studio and he he taught students, you know, as well. Like, so he would teach okay. music and record clients. And Robert's like, oh, you teach. He was like, hey, I need some lessons. And uh, so he would go over to Robert's house a lot and, and give him guitar lessons. And, you know, Robert you know, writes the scores for his movies. Right. And so he would, you know, have Rick around and he, he would say like, Hey, what, what would you play for this scene right here? You know? And, <laughs> uh, and so Rick would just, you know, do his thing. And Robert's like, hey, I really like that. You know, he's like, so when you, uh, when you see the movie once upon a time in Mexico, the, the one with Johnny Depp and Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek, in the opening scene, uh, you see Antonio Banderas, you know, and he's playing guitar and he's walking in front of this old, you know, cathedral somewhere in Mexico. And it's this truly cinematic, you know, scene. And Antonio's playing this guitar, la guitarra, you know, <laughs> and he's playing these crazy badass, like blues flamenco licks. But Antonio doesn't play guitar. He faked it really good, but <laughs> he's actually Rick. Oh, Rick, really? Yeah, Rick had played all that stuff and Robert, you know, he was filming the movie. And so he basically incorporated Rick's killer guitar solo lick. So, you know, next time you watch that movie, pass the opening scene and listen really closely to the guitar part. And that's Rick Del Castillo. 
Nice. Nice. Yeah. Did you yeah. guys end up, was there an actual song that you had recorded as well as a band that ended up in a Robert Rodriguez film too? Or is that, am I crossing something over there? No. Yeah. He, uh, in that same film, he placed um, the song Dias de Los Angeles, which is Days of the Angels and, you know, translated into English. Yeah. Uh, and that was on the first album uh, called Brothers of the Castle, Del Castillo. And Robert, there was uh, that song he placed in the film. And then he also used another one of the songs. It was uh, uh, Spanish Castle Tango, which is an instrumental song. But he used that as well. And then, um, you know, he started and he's prolific in, in what he writes. You know, he, he doesn't just write scripts. He writes music. He scores you know, films. And uh, so he started having del castillo play his film scores live and he has the, the band's called chingon which is a slang word for badass you know it's <laughs> it, it's it's yeah it's totally hilarious but uh we, we you know we like we just played last year we did two nights in san antonio uh we opened for george lopez the comedian really yeah and um because he's friends with george lopez and in fact we're we're doing uh we're playing an arena show uh, later this year uh, with George Lopez again. Really? Uh, with Robert. Yeah. So we got to get ready for that. But Robert has us perform his soundtrack songs live and to a movie screen. So he has clips from the different films that we play to live. And so it's all queued up and, um, you know, you, you got to be on it. You know, you got to. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it's pretty cool. wild. That's cool. I, uh, I've known about Robert Re Rodriguez. I don't know a ton about him, but I've known about him for a long time because when I was in Lawrence, I was trying to learn, uh, Spanish real heavily. I was doing a lot of studying and so forth. So I got a, a movie, I think from, I don't know where and, uh, recorded it down to VHS. It was the VHS days. <laughs> and yeah. uh, one of the movies I dropped down to study Spanish because it had the subtitles either way was El Mariachi which is one of Robert's yep. early films. I think he might have independently funded it himself and everything, but... Um, oh, he did, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going on to some pretty huge things, though. I remember, you know, from way back then, and then he had a connection to Quentin Tarantino, and I think that movie you mentioned with Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas, um, I yeah. think that's tied into Tarantino as well or something, isn't it? Or am I, am I crossing something yeah. over? Well, uh, Tarantino also uh, had Chingon in his soundtrack, uh, the closing credits for Kill Bill, Volume 2. Ah. Yeah, is that song is Chingon. Del Castillo playing with Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin placed that. And uh, we actually, we, we played the premiere party for Quentin Tarantino when that movie came out. Uh, we, we flew out to L.A. and played... We went to the movie theater to watch it, and then we went to the after party, and we played with Robert. Wow, nice. you know. So Robert actually plays. <laughs> Robert actually plays with Del Castillo when you guys do these. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called Chingon. Robert Rodriguez's Chingon Band. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, and uh, but it's Del Castillo with Robert. That's cool. But we're playing all of his, you know, soundtrack. Right. You know, right. Right. So you have a whole new line of tunes you do at that point. 
completely different repertoire material songs, you know, and, and the brothers play a lot of electric. They play acoustic too. Uh, but yeah, it gets pretty loud and bombastic. Nice. Nice. So what's the future looking like with Del Castillo? You got some stuff you're recording now, and then do you think there's some more videos yeah. in the, in the near future as well? Or do you know what ne- what the next single is that you're going to be putting out? Yeah. So like I said, uh, the uh, Uncle Wayne, Rick and Mark's uncle, it wrote this song, you know, decades ago. And uh, we re-recorded it and Tim Palmer uh, mixed it. And so it's uh, the track sounding amazing, you know, when cool. Tim put his magical touches on it. And um, we're actually scheduled to go now next weekend. We're filming the video for it at Robert's uh, film studio. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's got uh, Troublemaker Studios here in Austin. And um, so we were lucky enough to, he's like, yeah, come on down. You know, we we booked it for all day Saturday next week, next weekend. So, so you guys will be shooting the vid, the new video with Robert Rodriguez as well. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if he's actually even going to be there, but That's we have his- permission to, to take over his film studio for the day. <laughs> nice. Very nice. And what's yeah, that I think we what's have another again. Uh, it's called Resurrection. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll be looking out for Resurrection. Any idea how how soon that'll actually be out there and everything? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, it might be in the spring sometime. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and uh, and you also have a website because you do you you teach students uh, you teach students on site in a music store there, and then you also do some instruction on the world wide web right oh yeah yeah you know. you, uh, why don't you give out your website address for that in case anybody wants to uh, do a little bit of uh lessons with you yeah for sure it's betterbeats-music.com is the website um cool. and uh it you know uh there's a facebook better beats music there's instagram you know so there's a couple social media uh pages i have out there so yeah i'm you can find me Nice. And if anybody out there is listening and wants to get into to really, you know, wants to get into playing or wants to, I mean, I'm sure Mike can teach you from the very beginning of the fundamentals and so forth, all the way up to, you know, people that have been playing a while and want to learn more advanced technique. You know, Mike knows a lot and he's he's studied, you know, the fundamentals and everything. And and uh, I'm sure Mike's a great teacher. Got to know the fundamentals. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh like I said, I love the drums and I'm just not that good. I've got to, I've got to set back and do the whole, the whole rudiments thing and really start trying to work on how to, how to actually play those rudiments. And, you know, I've always just been kind of like, I just want to jump behind the kit and play and I really need to break down and maybe I need to take some online lessons, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, you, know, Mike. It, it, you know, it just depends on, you know, what you know, you don't have to know a bunch of really complicated things to have fun on the instrument. But once you have to play it a while, you're like, man, I wish I could do this or I wish I could do that. Right. Then you get get bit by the bug. Then that's the good time to really like find someone and learn a couple things from, and then just practice your butt off. <laughs> that's for sure. I need I need to practice. I'm I'm having a lot of hard time finding time to do that sort of thing because I'm working two jobs unfortunately right now, but. Hopefully I'll yep. lay that back down and, and switch over to one near in the near future. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your very busy schedule. You're kind of a hard guy to get a hold of, 
But um, and I know you had a lot going on this weekend, so I really appreciate you breaking some time out of your busy schedule to join us on Flywheel Radio. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for the interview, John. And and it's been you know great catching up. We haven't talked in quite a while, so it's yeah. great to hear your voice. And uh, man, you uh, thanks for all the kind compliments and and well, helping, uh, spread the word on you know uh, the music and the and the artists out there. That's awesome what you're doing. Thank you so much. You're you, you're uh, you always stick out as as one of the best I've ever seen. You know, I mean, I'm not. These compliments aren't coming lightly. I, you you're easily one of the best drummers I've ever seen in my life. So you know, kudos to you that. for two kudos for you to, for cutting in the time and making making it all happen. And and uh, good luck to you and everything that you do musically. And uh, let's make sure that uh, we don't wait so long to catch back up again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you ever make your way down to Austin, definitely you know, hit me up. Oh, I absolutely will. That'd be that'd be really cool. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, you have a great rest of your evening. All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. You've been listening to episode number eight of Flywheel Radio, an arts and entertainment podcast. Special thanks to our guest, Mike Zioli. If you'd like to show your support for the podcast, you can donate now through Venmo by using at Flywheel Radio. Got feedback? Questions and comments can be sent to flywheelradiokc at gmail.com. This podcast episode was edited and engineered by me, Stephen Orr. Copyright 2024.